There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher, and we've got an awesome show for you coming up. This week, I was joined by Angela Huey. Angela is the co-founder and president of One Community, one of the largest and most effective groups advocating for LGBT rights in the United States. We had a great conversation that went from the desire and need for fairness and inclusion to the importance of having an open and civil dialogue about the challenges we're facing to how people can get involved and make a difference. One community directly impacts everyone living in Arizona as well as the state's ability to attract and retain great companies and great jobs. I encourage you to check it out and to sign the Unity Pledge at openaz.co, openaz.co. If you'd like to take additional action on this issue, click contact us in the show notes and we'll get you what you need to make that happen. Please subscribe to the show and if you like what you heard, leave us a review. Thanks, as always, for listening. That's enough about that. Let's go. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining us in spirit today is Centauri Minor, and he certainly sends his love. Helping us move from awareness to action is Angela Huey, the founder of One Community, a friend, and an absolute dynamo. Welcome, Angela. Hi, George. And hello, Centauri Spirit. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you know, Angela, I think that we met six years ago, roughly speaking, Sounds about right. Time, time kind of flies. It has. Back then it was LGBT. Yeah. And today, I was online today, it's LGBTQQIAAP, which is impressive and exponential growth in the number of letters. <laughs> so that, 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 that's intended as a joke. But. Yeah, it's no, it's an ever-evolving <clears throat> uh, uh, acronym, without doubt. So <laughs> We are an inclusive community. Yes, yes, yes. So the work that you're doing with, with One Community, I believe you founded it in 2008, mm-hmm. is is so important, very, very visible. Why did you found it? How did you get started? Uh, yeah, so that's a great question. So um, so about it's hard to believe that we're a little over eight years old now. But about a decade ago, I was working in the Hispanic community, and I saw a lot of my Hispanic um, community relations peers go through title changes. They all became multicultural. Uh, and so I asked them if they had money to invest in, at that time, we would say the gay and lesbian community, or I think it was the GLBT community. Um, and the vast majority of them said yes. And then I said, you know, so what are you doing um, and uh, a lot of the companies that I spoke to said nothing. And so, you know, we saw that there was an opportunity, uh, that there were um, more conservative, even center-right, um, mid-sized and larger businesses that wanted to understand um, the dynamics and the diversity within the LGBT community, wanted to find a way um, from a business-to-consumer standpoint and even a business-to-business standpoint to connect, and they just didn't know uh, their way through this. So um, Sherry, my wife, and I started, well, we were partners at the time because we couldn't get married. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, did about a year's worth of research, and um uh, there wasn't a great deal of research out there as far as like how we acted from a psychographic and demographic standpoint. But I, I remember finding one piece that really said that once you knew us, your propensity to vote against uh, the LGBT community uh, on issues that matter to us, such as treating people fairly uh, and equitably, plummeted. And it didn't matter what your religious beliefs were or um, your political beliefs were. Knowing us was really the big thing. So, go that, figure. Yeah. Well, 
all that fear goes away. Uh, I like to say we're just as boring as everyone else. So, um, uh, out of the box, uh, we created uh, a, one community that we launched in uh, you know December of two thousand eight as a uh, interactive web and events community for LGBT and allied businesses and individuals based on the research that we had found and really seeing that there was a void, that there was some, you know, great organizations uh, and well-meaning organizations that were in the LGBT lane, if you if you would, but weren't uh, looking at uh, the community and really connecting to the allied community um, in the way that uh, we were with one community. So that's how we came uh, to market, if you will. Um, we actually got married uh, right before we launched one community. We soft launched the website in October of 2008, put our life savings into one community, uh, and uh, the first day of our honeymoon, soft launched the first website, and the stock market crashed. So, I think over the years we have been known uh, the same as, day. Yeah, the next day. <laughs> the next day. <laughs> we Close got enough. a good day. <laughs> right. And then we're like, oh my goodness, it's down another 800 points. Look wow. Let's stop. It's good. Yes. Let's stop checking the news. But um, <laughs> I, I think that from the get go, as we came out of the gate. Um, we have really found a way to make uh, what we like to say is lemonade. And so uh, we've been doing that for a little over eight years. We've evolved uh, based on, I think, what the community's needs uh, uh, have been. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're having a lot of fun, and I think that we're making a really impactful difference now. That's awesome. We were talking a little bit offline about, um, about medicine and I think when you talk about medicine and if you are somebody that, 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 that needs treatment, how valuable wisdom is mm -hmm. versus information. Because if you just start Googling or trying to find solutions, you just drown in information and sure. people starve for wisdom. And I think that that's what's going on in our culture right now, just generally, is there's so much information out there. It's, we're all on overload if it's yeah. social media or whatever, Where, wherever you're getting your real news or your fake news. Um, and I think that people are really starving for wisdom. So you have thoughts on, on how we go about? <laughs> well, um, uh, you know, I, I've been I've had this conversation a lot in the last couple of months with um, with friends and colleagues in that. You know, um, and, I, and I've actually seen some articles that I think are kind of along this, too. So I agree with you that we're um, we're overwhelmed uh, with information. And uh, I think the thing that makes us anxious as a society and as a community is there's so much information. You just don't know where to start. And, right. And uh, Sherry and I were just having this conversation the other day uh, about a different issue, but it was like, you just have to get out of your head. And, and so I think um, those have been, uh, we've certainly had our times with one community where, um, in particular in the early days, where the work we were trying to do um, was overwhelming. Uh, and, I, and I think what I've learned uh, over the years is that you just have to start somewhere. And when you start, uh, things start to organically um, prioritize themselves. And I also think that um, uh, you have to have a long view on things, um, that change and progress does not happen overnight. And it, from a one community standpoint, we're a hybrid uh, organization. Um, uh, there are pieces of us that, of what we do that is transactional, but in the long run, we're really making a difference when that change occurs gradually because people uh, evolve in their thinking and the way that they look at our community and also the way that they see Arizona for us. Um, we believe that Arizona's core values should be based in wanting to treat all people fairly. It's simple. It's the right thing to do. Um, uh, and uh, it, it's really good for a sustainable state, too. So I think you start somewhere. 
and where you start is up to you. And then I think that things start to prioritize themselves. I also think you have to have realistic expectations um, that change does not happen overnight. Um, we have been, uh, we've evolved and get better at what we do every day. And, and here we are again, a little over eight years into our particular one community journey, um, patience and persistence. Um, we kind of have like these 10 core, core values that we live by. Um, and one of my favorite is no just means not now. It doesn't mean never. Um, and so I think one of the most important things you can do is not see opposition, but see opportunity and meet people where they're at. Uh, this is not us versus them. This right. is about all of us. <clears throat> but geez, it sure feels like sometimes it's it's us versus them. Um, and I don't know how much of that is just the national media, but clearly, with with the election we just experienced, half the folks that voted voted for for Donald Trump, and the other half voted for Hillary. Actually, less than half <clears throat> voted for him. Probably right. Yeah. Um, and it does seem like folks do find that, that we all find ourselves in echo chambers. Mm-hmm. And we're only interested in hearing our side, and we dig our feet in, and it's and it's all vitriol. Um, but I'm I'm of the mind that that I certainly take in new information and learn it almost every day, and change my views on things with life experience. And I'm not giving up on folks, certainly, but well, I, I mean, I, I think <clears throat> that um, you know one of the things that we saw even eight years ago or a decade ago when we were really starting to do our research and, and create what was going to be that initial business plan for one community is that um, organizationally or and as community, we were siloed and silos just don't work. And um, I say oftentimes that I can look in the mirror and sing, I'm so pretty all I want, but it's not going to create the change that we want. And so right. um, we pride ourselves um, on being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Um, uh, we are, I think, uh, well known for our willingness to sit down and have a cup of coffee with anyone. And again, we don't see opposition. We always see opportunity. And, and I think that if you silo yourselves uh, either, you know, as people or organizationally uh, um, or as a community, that you are limit, you're limiting the outcomes. You are predisposing the outcome uh, because you're not allowing yourself as an individual or organizationally or as a community uh, the opportunity to interact with others um, who can find uh, that what matters to you matters to them as well. And, you know, when we created one community, um, to, from the first day we said, this is, it, this is a, it's a basic math equation, right? We are, um, we are a diverse emerging community, but we are a minority community. And so the way that the LGBTQ community will have true equity is when it's not about us, when it, it, it will happen when it is about we. In other words, people who are not LGBTQ have to believe that treating people who are gay and transgender fairly is a part of their core values. And that applies to any organization or any emerging group that uh, you want to talk about. So it shouldn't be an us versus them, and you have to you have to step out of your comfort zone if you want to get something done. I couldn't agree with you more, and think that that what I'm going to call common sense approach and fair and kind approach is something that it seems again like our our country is lacking right now with 
if if it really is people are scared of immigrants or whatever the case may be. But I, I think that um, uh, folks voted the way they they voted uh, for a variety of reasons. I don't I, I don't think everyone's a one issue voter. Number one, mm-hmm. uh, number two, I think that there is opportunity and in, in adversity. I think. Um, what I have said to our team is it might be a little windier out there, but get your rain jackets on because we did not get the memo that we're not supposed to move this conversation about treating all Arizonans fairly forward. And I think what you will see from us, um, which may be surprising, is probably one of our most proactive years uh, yet. And that is in large part because uh, because we continue to evolve and challenge ourselves um, organizationally and as individuals within our organization. Um, and so, um, while we never know what's coming around the corner, we do have comfort in being in a, in a uncomfortable first position in putting ourselves out there. That's how you're going to change things. Right. Not having all the answers, uh, and, and deciding not to have a conversation doesn't change things, never makes anything better. Uh, and so our viewpoint is we may not have all the answers, but that's not a good enough reason for us not to carry forward with the important conversations of treating all Arizonans, in particular and including gay and transgender Arizonans, fairly and equitably. It is the right thing to do. Um, it is also good for business, the business of Arizona, from a from a competitive standpoint, from an attraction and retention of top talent, and, and tourism standpoint. Tourism is our number one export. We have a brand issue with our state. So if if we truly want to be a state that is sustainable and creates opportunity for every Arizonan, we have a responsibility to give opportunity to every Arizona, and that's why we need to update, uh, you know, our non-discrimination policies and, sh- and ensure that they become inclusive of our LGBT community. Couldn't agree with you more. We we had a conversation last week about about mindfulness and the practice of mindfulness and how important that is because you become personally resilient and it doesn't matter what happens to you, you have a choice of, of responding. However, you know you 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 have that choice. So whatever's going on in in the outside world, you make the decision to keep pushing forward with with the with the agenda and, and the cause that you know is right. So you talked about how we need to update the non discrimination. What I'm can, can you give me some more information on that? Well, sure. Uh, so currently in Arizona, and over 60% of Arizona, it's not illegal to um, deny housing, uh, to fire someone, uh, or to deny them service uh, from a public accommodation standpoint simply for being uh, gay or transgender. And we uh, believe that the, our, our current non-discrimination policy should be updated for the reasons that I just stated. Um, we have five municipalities that have adopted uh, or updated their municipal ordinances so that they are LGBT inclusive. So you have Tucson, uh, Phoenix, Tempe, uh, Flagstaff, and Sedona. Okay. But that means that it's over 60% of our state. Uh, again, a person who is gay or transgender can be denied service, denied housing, um, or fired simply for who they are or who they love. And uh, we think that uh, we have a responsibility to treat all people fairly. How many municipalities remain that have not <clears throat> changed their policies? Well, uh, you have way more than five municipalities in the, in the state of Arizona. So every mm-hmm. municipality except the five that um, okay. I, have, uh, I have named uh, nationwide, you've had, I think, over 220 municipalities throughout the nation that have updated um, their uh, non-discrimination ordinances. And I think you have over 19 states that have updated their policies on a statewide level. So this is, uh, this is important work. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, and uh, for the reasons that I stated earlier, from a from a doing the right thing and treating all people fairly uh, uh, position, and and from a competitive standpoint and a, 
attraction and retention of top talent standpoint, we think that the, the best way uh, is to educate all Arizonans on the importance of treating all people fairly and what we uh, you know, hope to see uh, sooner rather than later is uh, an update to our state's non-discrimination policies. Mm-hmm. And how is that enacted? Is that is that a vote? Is that sure? So uh, the, there was actually bills that were introduced uh, by the House and the Senate uh, on the House and the Senate side at the end of January this year. And the here's the unfortunate part. Uh, I believe it was Senator Katie Hobbs who made this point distinctly at the press conference that was held uh, when these bills were introduced, and that was that non-discrimination bills uh, to update our statewide policies had been introduced in one way or another, I believe, in, since 2008. And these bills have never heard a hearing. And so from a, a one community standpoint and the work that we're doing on our educational side, we want to educate people on, on why uh, we need to treat people fairly. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, we're, we're either going to have to... Uh, have some bills introduced that actually get a hearing and have a good public discussion and move it forward at the Capitol uh, is probably the the way that I would imagine it would happen um, uh, in good time. Got it. So we're able to make quicker moves at the municipal level, but at the state level, it's been a little slower. Um, I, I would say yes and no. There have been moves that have made been made at the municipal level. Um, clearly, uh, uh, the last uh, ordinance that was uh, adopted in a, in a fully inclusive way was the Sedona ordinance. So there's been um, stalls and starts on municipal ordinances. And at the end of the day, while um, incremental change from a municipal level is certainly helpful, uh, the end result that we would hope to see, and I would hope every Arizonan would hope to see, is that we just become a state that treats all people fairly, regardless of the zip code you're in, right? right. So yeah. I often talk about Sherry and I traveling around this beautiful state of ours, and uh, you know, when you when you cross a city line, it depends on the rights uh, that we have because we happen to be LGBT. Uh, so you know, I don't think that our right our rights should be dependent on the zip code we're in in this great state. Makes sense to me. How many bills, and just in round numbers, have been introduced since I think you said two thousand and eight that um, Representative Hobbs that that have never had a hearing? Is it a lot? Is it a handful? Well, there's been uh, there has been uh, some sort of a non discrimination update bill that has been introduced since two thousand eight at the state level um, uh, in varying forms, right? And so. Um, uh, those are pro uh, LGBT inclusion bills, uh, uh, and then you've had uh, clearly there's been some very uh, concerning anti LGBT bills that were introduced. Uh, you know, the one that um, I think people know the best is SB 1062, which happily then Governor Brewer vetoed. Mm -hmm. Okay, <clears throat> and maybe we'll circle back on on what people can do and what needs to actually happen to get one of those bills introduced and actually have it heard. Um. Well, I mean, I can tell you this, people need to get involved and the, the, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of work that happens, I think, before you get to a place where things are gonna move. And, and so, um, and there's numerous organizations. Uh, so number one, uh, get involved, uh, in particular with um, organizations that represent the things that you care about, that you're passionate about. Uh, and if it's treating uh, all people fairly, then we'd love it if folks took a look at how they can get involved uh, with one community. We have a, you know, we have our unity agent training. 
uh, that we do, uh, and these are like our super volunteers, where we really teach uh, everyday Arizonans how to have this conversation about diversity, inclusion, and equality for all Arizonans and how important it is. Um, we do faith-based um, workshops. We do LGBT workplace inclusion conferences. And tomorrow, um, we're doing uh, the first of its kind, uh, a really very thoughtful, strategic, educational day at the Capitol where we are um, sending in uh, 24 pairs of faith leaders um, and transgender Arizonans to sit down and talk with their elected representatives about why uh, it is important to them that we treat all Arizonans fairly. And I think that's an important conversation that we need to have. You know, at the end of the day, whether you're talking about LGBT inclusion or other issues that you're passionate about, everything starts with education. And there was a, a poll that was done, I want to say in 2015, that said 72% of Arizonans mistakenly believed that we had already updated our non-discrimination policies, that they were already LGBT inclusive. So I like to say that we're myth busters, right? We right. have to say we haven't, but we should, and here's why. And I have a, a friend, a colleague, who said to me last year, she said, how many, what's the percentage of those 72% of the Arizonans that mistakenly believe? How many of them are LGBT? And I said, well, my guess would be 72%. So um, uh, there's so much education that uh, has to happen. Uh, mistakenly, I think a lot of Americans, a lot of Arizonans, uh, regardless of whether you're LGBT or not, um, uh, believe that because marriage equality came to our nation, that a lot of this was rolled up uh, into uh, the opportunity to say, I do, and live your life with the person that you love. Um, and the reality is, um, that's not the case, that from a non-discrimination standpoint, employment, housing, and public accommodations, we have a great deal of work to do. Are those important things, employment, housing, and accommodations? Well, um, Jeez. you know, uh, <laughs> getting married, you can't pay for your wedding if you put the picture of your spouse on your desk and get fired the next day. Um, discrimination in housing uh, still exists, and there's a new national report uh, that came out from the National Center of Transgender Equality and Transgender Americans and, and Transgender Arizonans overwhelmingly, uh, you know, facing housing discrimination, underemployed, um, uh, and in the publication, uh, the, you know, public accommodations. That's where um, I would say the national argument about bakers and florists lies, right? And that is, do I have the right to refuse service right. to someone simply because they... Uh, because of who they are, who they love. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'd say they're all pretty important things. Yeah, I think treating people fairly should be who we want to be as Arizonans and who we want to be as Americans. Yeah. I think it's simple. That certainly makes sense to me. Are you concerned? Um, do you have concerns? Do you have hope for the new administration as it applies to this subject? Well, um, you know, we've, we've um, on a national level, uh, the current administration um, rolled back um, uh, that their, um, their push forward with the, the previous administrations uh, uh, on Title IX and that uh, Title IX in the previous administration's opinion, um, because sex uh, discrimination is unlawful because of Title IX, included uh, people who were transgender. Uh, and so... Um, uh, the previous administration had said, we see this as an opportunity to protect um, transgender individuals in our public schools. Um, and so, unfortunately, our current administration rolled back that guidance. Um, and so uh, that puts young transgender Americans at risk. Uh, 
and, and, and because of their rollback of that guidance, the Gavin Grimm case, uh, the Supreme Court said because of this rollback, uh, we don't see it is the right time to to hear the Gavin Grimm case, which was supposed to be heard right around now. Hmm. Um, and so they pushed it down to the lower court. Uh, and so basically you're starting back at zero um, in this important conversation about uh, transgender students uh, being able to use the, the public restroom uh, in the schools that they go to that they uh, identify with. So there's a ton of work to do. But with that being said, uh, we are a local organization and we're going to do the work that we can here um and so is that concerning absolutely it is uh but just last tuesday uh ashton skinner our transgender outreach uh, coordinator was on the cover of the republic uh talking uh, about the ncte report that had recently come out and and how impactful it was to transgender arizonans and so um uh, I think a lot of people don't know what Title IX is. I think that... Uh, I'm sure. Uh, so, I, very unfortunate, without a doubt, this, this rollback um, and, and concerning, but I also think that there is a public dialogue that is going on uh, because so many things that many folks have taken for granted in our freedoms as Americans seem to be uh, perhaps under attack right now. Uh, and so there is an opportunity to enlighten people. No, we do not have non-discrimination policies and, pr and protections for LGBT Americans or LGBT Arizonans, but we should, and here's why. I think there's an opportunity to um, create actionable uh, opportunities for, for Arizonans and Americans, and we're, you know, folks are waking up. And I would like to, to get your thoughts a little bit deeper into the, um, I'm sorry, it was Gavin Grimm? The Gavin Grimm case, yeah. That whole case, because that's one that it's, I don't know if it's split down the middle, but there's a lot of folks out there that think it's the greatest thing in the world, and there's a lot of folks out there that say there's no way that that should happen. And I think it is a matter of education. And here's 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 the issue, here, here, here are the problems on both sides. And so if we could unpack that and work through it, I think that that would be helpful because I don't think that people have really formulated an educated opinion on it. Well, I think what you're seeing with the tr with transgender Americans and transgender Arizonans is that they're coming out and they're telling their stories. And so um, if you look at uh, the movement that towards uh, better protections um, of the LGB community. Um, it has been because we have told our stories, and I and um, and people have gotten to know us, right? And and so when you know folks uh, and you know their stories, those fears that you may have can can go away, or you're in a position to educate yourself. And it's the same thing with transgender Arizonans and transgender Americans. It's incredibly important that we're telling the sto the fantastic stories of folks who happen to be transgender. And are, we are creating opportunities to educate people and creating safe spaces where you can have a really good interactive, um, I think, educational experience. Not talking about this doesn't make it go away. And I think that we have a lot of education to do around what gender identity is and what gender expression is. And uh, so we have a responsibility to make sure that we're pushing um, that conversation forward. Um, and we, it's a responsibility that we take you know, incredibly seriously, um, which again is why um, when we are doing our education day at the Capitol tomorrow, um, this was, a, it's a hyper-focused day um, with people of faith, faith leaders, 
paired with transgender Arizonans to tell their stories um, to their elected representatives because I think that these will be very educational opportunities for the folks uh, at the Capitol that are elected. Uh, and I think you make better decisions when you understand uh, an issue uh, and are educated on it. At least I hope so. <clears throat> yeah. I certainly hope so. I, I know that I do. So if, if, if you would put yourself, let's, let's play devil's advocate, advocate, and let's say, you know what, I'm, I'm not for that. I'm not for letting a transgender person use whatever bathroom they want. Why, why do you suppose that that is? Is it? I think just, it's, well, it's, so it's fear. The people that oppose it say, uh, it's not that we're concerned about the transgender community. What the, the, the talking point from people who oppose uh, uh, the opportunity for transgender Arizonans or Americans to use the restroom that they identify with is it's not the transgender person we're concerned with. It is the predator that we are concerned with who will just one day say he is a girl or a boy so that he can prey upon uh, and victimize someone in a public facility. And to that I say it's never happened. So, um, you know, uh, there are no reported cases in these. You've got over 200 municipal ordinances, again, throughout the United States that have been updated. And there's not an uptick in predatory behavior in public restrooms because of these municipal ordinances, number one. Number two, it is unlawful to prey on people. That is still against the law, right? That doesn't change. Mm -hmm. And so... um, it's just fear, uh, and with, and I think the way that you uh, get past fear is you educate people. Um, and uh, we have come a long way in educating people about who same-sex couples are and who what our families look like and the fantastic parents that, that we can be. And we need to just double down on education uh, because allowing a person to use the restroom they identify with is putting them in a safe space. When you look at uh, the the victimization that happens to not just transgender Arizonans, but transgender Americans, this is some of the most vulnerable population we have in this great nation and great state that we have. We have a responsibility to put transgender Americans and Arizonans in a safe space. And the way you do that is you allow them to go to the restroom that they identify with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that certainly makes sense. Um, there's another hot button issue uh, when it pertains to the gender pronouns. I wanted to talk a little bit about that and get your take, just like you unpacked that one, um, that Ooh, issue. I thought this was going to be easy. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, because that's, that's again, people that have never thought about this, that probably they think it's crazy or it's silly or... You know, I think that... Um, our youth, uh, every generation has helped uh, helped gener- there were generations that have come before them evolve. Um, uh, when I was in high school, uh, you know, uh, girls went to college to get their MRS degree, right. uh, and um, and there were um, traditional um, positions, professional positions that mm-hmm. were more male dominant or more female dominant. And I think what you see is uh, an evolution on uh, women going into tech and going into um, careers that, again, uh, a few years back when I was in high school, these opportunities weren't seen as being the proper opportunities for females, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think what you're seeing with our younger uh, generation is that 
number one, they don't like boxes, and they um, their experiences are different than the than the uh, the generations that had come before them. You know, to to be at uh, Thanksgiving dinner um, uh, with at my sister's house with our our nieces and, and nephew and having a conversation with my 15 year old niece about that she's a friend who's transgender uh, and I'm like and how do you feel about that she's like we just want to support her right and so generationally um, their experiences are different and so these conversations are going to continue to evolve and I think that we all have a lot to learn um, uh, and so it, it's an evolving conversation um, and I it, I think it, it's a thoughtful one and um I think I'm all for uh, challenging my preconceived notions. I think as a person who's gay and has seen prejudice and, and faced prejudice in my lifetime, my question was, um, I'm asking you to look beyond whatever those stereotypes and fears are and get to know me and get to know my wife and get to know our family. And I think that the same holds true here. So this is an evolving conversation. Very much. Yeah. Very much. What, and I been trying to, to educate myself on this and from paying attention to and, and listening to smart folks on both sides, the, the people that are, I guess, against allowing people to identify um, as, or the people that are against making people refer to people in a certain manner, it's because they don't want government intervention and they don't want to limit freedom of speech. Um, and I don't know that I that, that I explained that properly, but I haven't heard that argument. In, I haven't paid that much. Um, <clears throat> right. We're so busy paying attention to the to the work we're doing, uh, sure. you know, and, and, and getting folks to, uh, putting folks in a position to, to be empowered and educated about who we are as a community. Um, uh, You're just busy doing practical stuff. Well, we're working hard. <laughs> um, uh, I, you know, we've certainly heard in some of the work we've done in municipal, some of the municipal work we've done, uh, that we are, you know, we'll, we'll be talking with a city or municipality and they'll be like, oh, we, we don't discriminate against anyone. However, we don't think that we need to have an LGBT inclusive ordinance because we don't want too much government intervention. So, mm. uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that seems to come up from time to time. Yeah, I don't doubt that. And I, whether you think government's great or you think it's lousy, big government, small government, um, I think that the role of a government is to, at least from my perspective, protect the rights of, pr protect an individual's rights. And I guess people get upset when they try to protect entire classes of people, but at the same time, the people that are most at risk, those are the folks that sometimes need help. Well, so these are characteristics that are defining characteristics that we can't change. And the reality is on a federal level and within our state, um, we haven't protected the characteristics of sexual orientation and gender identity. Our belief is that we should protect those characteristics uh, because uh, you can't change who you are. Right. Uh, and so um, we are, uh, you know, uh, very interested in educating people throughout this great state on the importance of treating all people, including people who are gay and transgender, fairly. Which certainly makes sense to me. Can you tell me a little bit about the Unity Pledge? Because sure. I know this is... Uh, when we first, when Emily and I first heard about this, it was it's incredible. Um, again, it's it's doing and it's making a difference and it's impactful. So let's talk about that. Sure, uh, we launched it in February 2013 uh, because uh, because uh, we saw an opportunity to be actionable and educational. Um, the 
the inspiration uh, from the pledge was Karen B Bailey and Nelda Majors, who at that time I think had been together for 55 or 56 years. <laughs> hmm. um, and we had told their story at our Spotlight on Success Local Heroes Awards. And um, when we were interviewing them, Karen had said something that we just couldn't walk away from. She said, you know, in the 1950s, when we were 18 and 19 years old, it was so very difficult being gay. She said, you could lose your life. You could lose your family. You could lose your job simply because of who you are. And our point uh, at that time, so this was 2012, was that had not changed. You right. could still lose your job. And so we talked about that at Spotlight in October of 2012, and we were really surprised by the response. We got a lot of text messages, a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls where people said, we know one community, and we know how you love your demographics and your figures and your reports, but you're wrong. You can't fire someone simply because they're gay. You can't deny them housing. And so we realized that, I mean, these were people that, that were LGBT and allied that were engaging with us. This conversation had started at a one community event that there was a lot of education that needed to happen and there was an opportunity to educate. Um, and so um, we played with the word unity for four years. How are we gonna use this word? Unity and one mean the same thing. Unity is a word within the word community. And uh, uh, the, the weekend after, we always uh, are sponsors and supporters of AIDS Walk. And so we were uh, t talking with some of our friends and uh, our advisory board uh, about how surprised we were that people mistakenly believed that we had the protections that we didn't. Uh, and I don't know, we walked around a, a corner and I was like, let's call it Unity Pledge. And uh, my friend said to me, that's great. What is it? I'm like, I don't know. Let's get our map. We'll yeah. call them the map. Let's get the map together. And, One thing at a time. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> so we did. We figured it out. And uh, we launched it in February 2013. Uh, you know, we were about 750, 800 businesses into the Unity Pledge when SB 1062 happened in um in, in 20, February of 2014, uh, so that pledge had accidentally prepared us because we'd been educating the business community on the fact that we weren't LGBT inclusive statewide, but we should be because it was right, it was good for business, and if you've taken the pledge, you're saying that you your employment practices are, are LGBT inclusive. And so, you know, we had uh, done a lot of work. We, again, we're 750, 800 businesses in, and it was anywhere from local uh, coffee uh, houses to PetSmart and everywhere in between um, and these businesses were educated this was something that they knew was the right thing to do and so they became really the choir that spoke out uh, very passionately against SB 1062 Local First Arizona was the first organization to sign the pledge they got out against SB 1062 first um, Stephen Zalstra and the Arizona Technology Council uh, who had signed the pledge six months before and understood that this is where the tech community was at um, really got out front as well um, and thankfully we had the the you know the right ending to SB 1062 and that then Governor Brewer vetoed 1062 move forward uh the pledge just turned four years old in february nice. it's the largest equality pledge in the united states of america uh we were just uh cracking 2200 businesses and organizations who wow. have signed the pledge that's awesome um uh last year was the first time that we really had to to uh really commit resources to everyday arizonans signing the pledge uh, and so our goal last year was to get 10,000 Arizonans to sign the pledge, crash, cr crack that nut uh, by October of last year. Nice. And um, it's, it's, you know, it's a way for people to be actionable. 
Um, and I think that you have to create a multitude of opportunities for people. And uh, if you believe in the Unity Pledge and you believe that all people should be treated fairly, it takes a minute to sign it. Now, that minute might be a year or two in the making, depending on the business or organization that you um, uh, represent and what happens in, in whatever that amount of time is that it takes for an organization to come on is education. Internal education is happening within that business or organization on why we should step out on this and say, yes, we think that all Arizona should be treated fairly. So it's just been a great vehicle for us. Um, uh, we're proud of the work we're doing with the pledge and, and around the pledge. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had the pledge during SB 1062, and then, um, you know, we created the Open for Business to Everyone signs, which made the pledge make all the sense in the world. Uh, around SB 1062, the sign went uh, viral and, and was downloaded over 100,000 times. Wow. Scott Kohler and Fast Signs on Central printed those signs, I think, 24 hours a day for three or four days. Huh. And, and um uh, that was, a, again, a way for Arizonans to demonstrate what their feelings were on the proposed legislation, which was SB 1062. So, uh, you know, uh, if you've signed the pledge, you're open for business to everyone. And we launched a, our Open for Worship to Everyone educational campaign in the last year and a half. And, you know, our faith director is currently working with more than 200 faith leaders who are open for worship to everyone in the state. We We've launched Abierto a Todos for uh, Spanish-dominant uh, businesses and organizations and, and Arizonans. And, uh, you know, we just uh, we just keep on trucking. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations on over 10,000 just in, uh, in 10 months or in 2,200 companies that have signed the Unity Pledge. Talk about moving from awareness to action. That's certainly doing it. So, <clears throat> um, Okay. So how can people get involved? They can sign the Unity Pledge. Sure. Go to openaz.co and take the pledge. It literally takes a minute. And when you take the pledge, there's an opportunity to sign up to volunteer. Uh, and that's a great way to find out about our volunteer opportunities. Um, if you uh, are a business that wants to join our member-based coalition, uh, at one community, then go to onecommunity.co uh, and become uh, a business member. Um, for us, our promise is that we will have opportunities for everyone um, uh, and different types of investment. Um, and I and I think that that's something that uh, we think is incredibly important. Um, we all have different uh, skills that we can bring. Uh, you know, um, we need the hard dollar investments. Uh, you know, the building of the coalition and, and our business membership is important. The investing in our One Community Foundation at onecommunityfoundation.org is incredibly important. That's the that's the hub for all of our educational work. Signing the pledge, uh, becoming a, a unity agent, which is a super volunteer for One Community, is important. Um, now, what does that mean again? Uh, you go through, we, we do about a two-hour training. We train you on uh, really who we are and, and, and uh, um, how we see we need to move this conversation forward. You usually get a cool T-shirt. No, you do. You get a cool, nice. you get some swag because we love to give out <laughs> swag. And you get a uh, really pretty, uh, uh, you know, a, a certificate of completion. That you are officially a Unity agent. We've just rolled out... Um, two bigger platform opportunities. One is a higher 
donor level for the foundational work we're doing, uh, which is uh, which is called Unity Leader, and for businesses that are have always been very supportive of us to increase their investment and really lead this conversation, um, we've developed Unity Champions, um, and there there is an opportunity for anybody that wants to get involved. That's awesome. That is awesome. And on top of getting getting educated, starting to have the conversations, what other advice would you give to folks? Find your passion. Um, and just remember this isn't an either or. Um, there, regardless of the things that matter to you, uh, there's usually more than one organization that you can get involved with. And uh, find the organizations that best fit you. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, just don't be too busy. Uh, I think when we're too busy to get involved, um, but I think you have to be patient. And um, it, there's been a just a real uptick in all these really fantastic grassroots organizations popping up and, and what have you. And certainly there's a, a lot of marching and demonstration going on, which is uh, very healthy and it helps move the conversation forward. But uh, it is the... You know, it is the work that you do every day that moves this conversation forward. And um, be dedicated and uh, find what matters to you and then stick with it. That's awesome. And congratulations on the success that you've had since it's got to be since 2008. That's almost it's almost 10 years, nine years. Not quite. Yeah. We'll have to throw a party. Yeah. Got to do something for sure. So, well, uh, for everybody that's listening, I think that Angela's done a, a far better job than I could ever to encourage you to to get involved because this is self, such an important issue uh, just from a, a citizen-to-citizen standpoint of being kind to one another. But also, as our economy grows and is, is strengthened, that's that's obviously better for everybody. Sure, and more opportunity for everyone. If we're going to be attractive to other businesses who are looking to relocate, this is such such an important thing so and it's not hard to get involved with um we will have all the information that we just talked about in the notes of the show so you can certainly find all that information so anything else no thank you for the opportunity well thank thank you very much um as always if you like what you heard please subscribe to the show and tell a friend and as always keep questioning because the struggle is real